0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is David Pepper, author of the new novel, A Simple Choice. Writing about one of Pepper's earlier novels, former President Bill Clinton wrote, Pepper comes through again with this clever tale of how cyber sabotage of elections, coupled with highly concentrated ownership of traditional media operations, can undermine American democracy. David, welcome to the
1: podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Sure. Well,
0: if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, A Simple Choice, how would you describe the novel?
1: You know, I think it's sort of a combination of a traditional thriller that maybe goes a little bit deeper into both politics, but also sort of moral and ethical dilemmas. I mean, one way to think about the book, and and the title gives this away, is to think about it in the following way if you're a reader or a potential reader, what would you do if you were given the chance to save the life of a loved one who was facing a terminal cancer um, prognosis? If someone said to you, we will literally save that life if you do the following. The question is, what would you be willing to do? And the book basically takes that question one step further and asks, okay, now what would the most powerful politicians in America be willing to do? And that's essentially the heart of the book. Is is a bunch of people making a decision uh, that's fraught with sort of conflict uh, that that has a lot coming out of that, and that's sort of the premise of the entire book. That's the simple choice, and that that basic premise turns into a you know a plot that takes you from Maine to Ohio to Tennessee and all throughout from local politics to national politics all the way to the White House. So I think that 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 basic question though is at the heart of the book and almost every character in the end faces that question.
0: And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write a simple choice?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, the way I write all my books and this is the fourth novel I've written, there's normally sort of an aha moment that comes where I have a concept in my head or an or an observation. And this one came I was actually uh, visiting Seattle as part of my political life, and I was speaking to a few friends of mine after an event, and they mentioned that their children were working in this area of of research called CRISPR, which is this technology where you can edit and splice genes to uh, cure cancer or to battle cancer far more effectively but there's also a lot of ethical issues that come out of splicing genes that you have to be careful to, you know, be, be, uh, you know, understanding of. And when they were done describing this this new uh, breakthrough cancer treatment, it's something I had not known much about. As soon as they finished describing it, I thought, I think I have my next book. Um, and, and my books always are getting into politics too. So it's sort of a, a crossing over from, the, from this medical breakthrough into politics and how the two intersect. So yeah, it was literally a 20-minute conversation on the couch in Seattle, of all places. And on the plane ride home, I started writing the book. Wow. Well, well, given
0: that you write political thrillers, do you ever feel like politics in the U.S. in 2022 is too bizarre for even a novel?
1: Uh, funny you should ask that. I mean, so my fir- not not to get carried away with all my books, but my first book literally was about a a Russian oligarch's scheme to hijack American elections. <laughs> and I wrote that book I, b- back in between 2012 and 2015. I put it out there in 16. And I I used Russia because I had worked there years before. I wasn't trying to predict anything. But a lot of my books, it's it really does get hard to keep up. Uh, you you want to have a thriller, you want it to be realistic, but if current events almost feel too close to it, it's sort of a problem, and that's kind of <laughs> happening right now. I think all people writing these types of thrillers, you know, every single day there's some new twist in real life. It almost gets hard to compete with, uh, with what's actually happening, and and I do think that actually is a challenge. It's one reason my new book a simple choice. I actually moved away from the election space because competing with direct elections in in today's world is actually very difficult as as a novelist.
0: Sure. Well, I'm curious, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing fiction and getting your first novel published? As you mentioned, you've been involved with politics, and I'm just curious, what led you down the road of writing a novel?
1: It's so funny you ask that. So I've been involved in politics. I've been pretty active. And my, no, my first novel called The People's House, which is the one I just referenced, was a, you know, I'm very frustrated in a way that I hope that people of all stripes agree with by a system of drawing the districts, of legislative districts, the politicians draw them to predetermine all the outcomes so that there's very few competitive races. And no one knew anything about it. Most people still don't. My first novel was my attempt, out of frustration, to say, maybe people will understand the problem with this system of gerrymandering, as it's called, if I write a novel about it. Now, a- anyone in the book business would say, that's a terrible idea for a novel. <laughs> that sounds so dry. What, what, what are you thinking? And I quickly discovered the same thing, and that's why I brought a Russian oligarch in, and I add a lot of drama and some thrills and spills and people dying. But at the heart of the plot, it's a plot about a Russian oligarch seeing that this broken political system we have is something to take advantage of. That's what led me to write my first novel. What's interesting, though, as part of my writing journey, as you phrase it, that novel became so close and had a lot of similarities to what ended up happening in 16 that the book kind of took off. I wrote this book on my own. I actually basically self-published it. But, But as you saw with Bill Clinton and others, by the middle of seventeen, I started to get questions and interviews. How did your, how did you know that a Russian oligarch, how did you know that <laughs> Russians or foreigners would interfere with with our politics, and and one of my, one of the real things I try and do in my books is have them be very much realistic, not some crazy plot that can never happen. And so I think several of my books, the second one, The Wingman, had the same thing happen. They end up being very close to what's actually happening. In real politics, that no one knows yet, and so the, the the books, the first two books, got a lot of attention. You know, I was on PBS, I was I was featured in magazines. The book one one of the one of the uh, magazines, the headline was the the thriller that predicted the Russia scandal, and that's what led me to ultimately having you know publish a uh, Putnam, um, who's been a great support, uh, published the third book, the Voter File in a Simple Choice, and so I think my books were always you know interesting books, but I also think they, they kind of bridge real politics with good stories in a way that I think people find interesting. So you get a political fix if that's what you're interested, but you also get a, a traditionally, I uh, hopefully, a good, a good plot with good characters and a good story to tell. It sort of, so it sort of accomplishes both things. Gotcha.
0: Well, given your involvement in o- Ohio politics, do you have any predictions for the midterm elections coming up in Ohio?
1: It's hard to predict. I mean, I will say that, that um, you know, the big race that everyone's talking about is is um, the one with Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, mm-hmm. and I think that one will be tight to the end. It's it's hard to predict the exact outcome, but that one will be a close election to the end. The other big thing happening in Ohio, back to this topic of gerrymandering, sure. we have a massive showdown right now in our state where the voters of Ohio changed the Constitution, to, and it was a good thing, to end gerrymandering and the current legislative leaders of the state are ignoring that because they don't want to have fair districts. And a lot of that's going to end up coming down to who wins. Again, these get lost in the shuffle. and That's a problem. A race is for the Ohio Supreme Court because that's the court that will determine if these maps are illegal or illegal. So this all comes full circle to why I wrote that first book. Uh, this, this system of, of drawing districts that you cannot lose is a real poison to our democracy. And I spent a lot of my nonfiction time both writing and speaking on this topic. Um, and so that's also another big race. But I think Ohio is going to be a, uh, relatively tight to the end, uh, partly because Tim Ryan is a very good candidate. And J.D. Vance does not look to be a very good candidate. If he, if he wins, it's mainly because it's just a, a year that Republicans are going to win Ohio. But um, we'll see what happens. Sure.
2: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
0: Well, what was your writing process as you were working on A Simple Choice? You mentioned um, having this idea and then starting it on the plane ride back. Do you normally um, outline your novels before you begin writing, or do you just kind of dive into the narrative and see where it takes you?
1: Once I have a concept, I start writing. I don't do an outline in advance. My creative process occurs as I write. So I have the characters, and I kind of throw them on the page, and and I almost sort of capture them as I write, interacting as as I'm imagining them doing so. And what's funny for me is as much as I've tried to just sit down and outline it all in advance, the creative juices are not flowing unless I'm writing. So I'll write to get it all down. I think of it as I go. I kind of know where I'm going, but not all the way to the end. Uh, and, and, and it just sort of develops as I go. And then I spend a lot of time editing because, again, if you if you listen to what I just said, if you're writing as part of your thinking process, it means you're going to have a lot more chapters than you actually ultimately need. The, the writing is almost the crutch that gets you through the story. So I'll get it all down, and then I'll put a lot of time into uh, not just nipping and tucking, but getting rid of entire par- parts May have allowed me to get through the process, but actually, in the end, aren't necessary for the reader because they're redundant or they're tell- they're over it. So I, I have a very so I'm really doing most of my creative thinking as I'm writing the story.
0: That's interesting. Well, I'm curious. Are you working on another novel now?
1: Yeah, you know, I just finished a draft of one um, that that I've sent along to be looked at that I'm really excited about. Actually, uh, it's it's a very local political story. And it involves a kidnapping of a, of a council member for a variety of reasons that, um, and, and not to get too into the weeds, but I once was on city council in Cincinnati and was kidnapped myself for an hour. So it's sort of a fictionalized version of that experience, which I hope for readers um, makes it seem very real because I actually did undergo an hour of, of a really bad moment when it happened to me. But I, I use that to kick off a much broader plot than anything that I was involved with but, um, it's, I think it could be a really interesting story. It's sort of an, we're in an age now where there's so much, you know, grift, there's so much, um, grifting. And this is sort of what, what, uh, almost a story of a, of a politician being gaslit from outside because people don't like him and all the, all the things you can get away with if you really want to get rid of someone you didn't like. That
0: sounds interesting. We'll look forward to that. We'll, What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels?
1: I think the, my best advice, uh, you know, I, I, when I do a lot of book talk, when I do book talks, and I do a lot of them. I often will read from the worst, most harsh email I've ever gotten, (laughs) which was an agent telling me basically that there was no hope with my first book, just no hope. It was horrible. And, it was a kind of email that a lot of people would get, and I almost thought, well, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. This is just not for me. My book is bad. Some professional is telling me it's bad. Forget it. And again, if I read it to you now, you'd be shocked by how harsh this was. <laughs> and a couple of days after I got that email, I kind of picked myself up and thought, okay, other people have liked my book, so he can't, this person can't be totally right. But let me also look into the details of his criticism about what he's really getting at. And and this person's critique was actually, there were some parts that were actually valid. And I did a lot of research on what he was saying. Uh, I rewrote the book to to change the way I was just, uh, you know, handling certain characters. And a year later, my book is not only out, but the Wall Street Journal called it The, the Sleeper for Political Thriller of the Year in 2016. And of course, I sent that review to the agent who had <laughs> written the email. Uh, but it was kind of a little bit snarky, but I said, thank you. Your critique actually helped me to de- develop a good book. And that was true. So I think my best advice is, don't let anyone stop you when they critique. Um, if someone's too harsh, they're probably getting a little carried away. But at the same time, anyone who takes the time to really read your book and comes back with advice, even if that advice is dressed up in a harsh critique, take a serious look at it. Uh, they're doing you a favor by reading that book. And most times, if a reader comes back with something quite direct about a problem, they're probably right. And it, as much as it might be painful at first to read that critique, if you take a close look at it, you may be able to. So it, it's sort of a combination of don't let anyone stop you, but also, Every reader who takes the time, especially early on if you have a writing journey, and this is the first or second time you've ever written a book, that early critique is probably a hidden gem somewhere in there that will make your book a lot better. So that's sort of the – and and the other one is – and this is how I – like I said, when I got on that plane, I had a story to write. In my mind, I had already conceived of it, just like that story I just described of being kidnapped. I have a story to write there. If you have a story to write, write it. Don't just sit there and think about it. Don't stew for years. Sit down and start writing like I do, and it'll start flowing. So that's the other piece of advice. Just, just get going. Just start on it if you haven't started. And I think everyone's got a story to write. I had no idea how to write a novel when I started. None. I had never written it before. I just started, and it's turned out that I now have a number of books, and I'm talking about these books all over the country. I was no different than anyone else. I just got started, and that's what I would recommend people to do.
0: That's great. Well, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed, either novels or nonfiction?
1: So I'm really um, captivated right now, you know, this whole effort to censor our history and to ban books, and the impact of sort of, as time goes by, how we forget our history. So I'm not all the way through it yet, but I'm reading this book, Horse, that I think's gotten a lot of attention, which is sort of a combination of, you know, it's, it's a fiction book but it's it's a combination also uh, diving into the real history of slavery uh, and the world around that time and how we don't really understand today so much of our own history so I'm reading that book right now really enjoying it um, I'm reading other books like that I recently read um, I'm forgetting his name now I had seen a highly recommended um, uh, the the author of um, let me look at a, a Joe Lansdale: The Bottoms." Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that book. It, it's actually kind of similar. It it's also goes back in history and gets into a lot of the um you know, racism of the of the early 20th century in the South. So I, I'm reading a lot of that as I think about. you know there, there, I do this partly because of the politics today. There's a lot of parallels to what's happening right now in our country and the attack on democracy we're seeing in many places and the past. And so I'm really trying to learn up as best I can, both through fiction and nonfiction, as much of that past as I can, because I think there's also a lot of lessons learned about how to deal with attacks on democracy from what we've seen in the past.
0: That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels?
1: Well, one, if they're on Twitter, I'm very active on Twitter. So at David Pepper. Uh, I talk a lot about my fiction writing. I talk a lot about nonfiction. I talk a lot about democracy in a way that I hope appeals more broadly than just one party. People can go to my website at davidpepper.com. Um, I also have under my nonfiction book a website called laboratoriesofautocracy.com. That's my nonfiction book. And I, people can go to Facebook as well. I, I also, believe it or not, have a YouTube uh, page. Not a lot of followers there. So, But the most uh, active part uh, would be... Uh, my Twitter, which is at David Pepper, and my my um, website, davidpepper.com, and laboratories laboratoriesofautocracy.com. That, and if, if you're interested in sort of nonstop discussions of democracy and fiction writing in a combination, Twitter is your best bet.
0: That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with David Pepper, author of the new novel, A Simple Choice. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And David, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Thank you. Great talking to you. Appreciate uh, your your lifting up authors like myself.
0: Great. Wonderful. Select.
2: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.